Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The account of the resurrection is unique in each of the four Gospels. Each one brings its own perspective and emphasis to this greatest of all events. The account in Mark is typically uncomplicated, but deeply and profoundly touching. Here are the first 11 verses from Mark chapter 16. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary the Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb as the sun rose. And they said to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was extremely large. And when they entered into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, clothed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are seeking Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, even as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary the Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him, who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Bob Danker has joined us as we come to fellowship on this last chapter from the book of Mark. And Bob, on the one hand, they did not believe, but on the other hand, probably we could identify still with Peter and uh, the others. A faith not always uh, strong as it should be, but uh, the fact of the resurrection is going to become uh, inescapable for them very soon, isn't it? That's right. The resurrection of Christ is one of the greatest realities in this universe. And uh, on the very evening of that day, the very day of resurrection, the resurrected Christ came to the disciples and he breathed the Spirit into them. And from that day forward, they were united with and joined to this resurrected Christ. And his resurrection for them became not just a historical event, an amazing miracle, but it became a living reality. Bob, I appreciate very much your word here because I think that transition from historical event to living reality is really the central focus of our program today and probably I think all of the programs that we have uh, left in the life study of uh, Mark, especially touching this matter. Uh, of course, this chapter concludes with not just his resurrection but also his enthronement, his ascension. So it's a kind of complete picture of all that's incorporated into this event that we sort of uh, in a general way refer to as the resurrection. But we do very much want to enter into the living reality of Christ in resurrection, don't we? That's right, Chris. 
Uh, let's pick up a couple of verses. Witness Lee will uh, go beyond Mark and come to the book of Acts in this uh, program today. It's important because now in Acts chapter 2, in these early chapters in Acts, we see Peter and the disciples 50 days hence. And in that period of time, they have very much entered into the reality of the resurrection. And that becomes very apparent when you listen to their speech and uh, witness their testimony altogether different in quality. And uh, that's the evidence that this has now become a reality to them, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, here's verses 23 and 24 from Acts chapter 2, and then a verse from chapter 3 as well, verse 15. This man, delivered up by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you, through the hand of lawless men, nailed to a cross and killed, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pangs of death, since it was not possible for him to be held by it. And the author of life you killed, whom God has raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Peter speaking, and uh, this is a different Peter. Absolutely. So bold and powerful in his speaking. All right. Here's Witness Lee, Bob, and then we'll come back to fellowship. We know the gospel of Mark actually is the gospel of Peter. And Peter, in Acts, told us that the very Jesus whom he saw and whom he followed and whom he was one with is now what? In resurrection. In Acts chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5, in each message Peter delivered on the gospel, he mentioned something of uh, the Lord's resurrection. Actually, the Lord's resurrection was the major center of all his gospel messages. In his message on the day of Pentecost, he testified that Christ could never be held by death. He was the resurrection. How could the resurrection be held by death? Then we go on to chapter 2 again, verses uh, 32 and 36. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. We were there. So we are the eyewitnesses of his resurrection. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. Then we have to read chapter 3, just one verse, verse 15. And killed the prince of life. This word in Greek means the author, the originator even origination, the beginning. You killed him, but your killing cannot last forever. Right? God raised up this source of life. Then we go to chapter 4. This crucified Jesus, whom God raised up from the dead, he is the cornerstone rejected by you, Jewish leaders. And this Savior in resurrection is the cornerstone for God's building in resurrection. Then we go to uh, chapter 5. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be 
the ruler and a savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness. Peter, in all these messages, testified that uh, this Lord, this Savior, this cornerstone is altogether the one in resurrection. Rob, this is just astounding to hear the, all these uh, utterances coming especially from Peter. You know, the Lord prophesied to the uh, disciples that after he was to be crucified, that the Spirit would come and guide them into the reality of all the things that he had spoken to them. And surely before his death, they were really missing uh, not just the reality, but even any sort of understanding at all of the things he was talking about. Yet here in just 50 days, the things Peter is uttering, clearly the Spirit had been there ushering them into the reality, hadn't he? That's right, Chris. It would have been impossible for Peter to speak the kind of words that he spoke in his gospel messages in the first few chapters of Acts if the Spirit had not been uh, breathed into him to be the very resurrection life within him and had not been poured upon him to be the resurrection power to empower him to be so bold, to testify and to witness Uh, Without any fear whatsoever, he was in the reality of the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. You know, he said that the one that was crucified was the author of life and the one who could never be held by death. This was not a doctrine to Peter as he was proclaiming the gospel. This was a reality to him, and he knew that he was in this very reality as he was speaking And so he could be so bold and without any kind of fear testifying to all these ones. Now, these ones who were listening to him were the very ones who had called for the crucifixion of Christ. They said, crucify him, (laughs) crucify him. And Peter was so bold, he said, you are the ones who crucified the author of life. He was not a politician uh, there in his speaking. He was direct. And his words were piercing and convicting. They carried the convicting power of God. So these ones who heard these words were pricked in their conscience. And they responded and they believed in this resurrected Christ. The words of Peter were just full of power and convincing strength. And the ones who heard these words could not but believe his speaking. It was a tremendous proclaiming of the truth Uh, from a person who was fully in the reality. You know, it strikes me also, Bob, uh, the Lord in his earthly ministry, in his uh, human life, in just those three and a half years, really in in one sense was not that successful in attracting a huge following, just a handful by the time of his death. What, 120 were told there in, in Acts. But now on this day, in resurrection, operating in the principle of incarnation through now the members of his body, thousands are brought forth uh, into uh, the divine life by the virtue of Peter's uh, powerful, strong preaching. So this is really a window, isn't it? That's right. This is the fruit of Christ's resurrection. And the Lord had declared that this would happen when he referred to himself as a grain of wheat yeah. would fall into the ground and die. And then he would resurrect and produce many grains. Well, we can see, beginning from the day of Pentecost, that many grains of wheat began to be produced from the resurrected Christ. 
Bob, uh, back to Acts chapter 2, I want to bring out uh, this second point. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, In verse 32, it says, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we all are witnesses. We heard Witness Lee speak that. Then verse 33 goes on, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out this which you both see and hear. So the resurrection continues into his exaltation, and then he's poured out as the Spirit in resurrection. Here's Witness Lee again. These resurrected one, as he's now exalted, and there in heavens, he pour out himself as the Spirit upon God's chosen ones, all his believers, to make them members of his body. And this is the composition of the new man. Which you man is nothing else but the very expression of the resurrected Christ. And this resurrected Christ is everything, is the content, is the uh, reality of this new man. And you have to know that this new man is just the kingdom of God. In this kingdom of God, God reigns. God rules, God moves, acts, and fulfills whatever he wants. So, this kingdom is the sphere of God's reign for his expression. This all in resurrection. And this resurrection and ascension is all together wrapped up with the spirit. The Spirit today is just this crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ. And this Spirit, as this Christ, is just, listen, dear saints, the reality of resurrection and ascension. When we have this Spirit, we just have Christ. When we have this pneumatic Christ, I tell you, we have the reality of resurrection and ascension. Bob, um, I think we need to talk about this. Of course, historical Orthodox teaching regarding the Trinity tells us that in God's being, in his essence, he is eternally three, eternally one. And these three are eternally distinct, Father, Son, and Spirit, coexisting from eternity to eternity, and co-inhering. That means indwelling each one the other. Yet in resurrection, we've just heard Christ referred to as the pneumatic Christ. Help us with a kind of a proper understanding of how these two aspects fit together. Well, yes. Of course, before his death, the Lord was in the form of the flesh, and he had the outward shell of his humanity, including his human body of flesh. Right. But in his resurrection... According to 1 Corinthians 15:45, this resurrected Christ became a spirit, a spirit who gives life. So today, the resurrected Christ is the life-giving spirit. And this spirit is the very Christ who rose from the dead. That means that Christ has become pneumatic. He's become a spirit. And in fact, he's the spirit 
In the Godhead, there's only one Spirit who can give life. That is the Holy Spirit of God. That means that Christ in his resurrection became a spirit who gives life. He and the Holy Spirit are one. Of course, he has always been one with the Holy Spirit. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was begotten of the human virgin with the divine essence within him, which was the Spirit himself. Uh, He was a spirit man (laughs) from the time he was born. He and the Father and the Spirit are always one. So in this human body of the Lord Jesus, there is not only God the Son, but there is also God the Father. The Lord proclaimed in John 14, the Father is in me. And he was begotten of the Spirit. So here we have a triune God man. In one sense, he's the Son. He's the second. In another sense, he's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He's the triune God man. The three of the Trinity can never be separated, although they are distinct. The Father is the Father, the Son is the Son, and the Spirit is the Spirit. But as you pointed out, Chris, they all mutually indwell one another, and therefore they are inseparable. Where one of them is, all the others are also. So it's not heresy to say that Christ today is the Spirit. It's not a heresy. This is a fact, because you cannot separate the three of the divine trinity. So when we have the Spirit, we have Christ. In fact, we have the resurrected Christ, and we have the ascended Christ. We have Christ with all the reality of his incarnation, human living, crucifixion, and resurrection. They're all in this wonderful Spirit whom we receive when we believe into the Lord Jesus. This Spirit enters into us, and on the day of Pentecost, this Spirit was poured out upon all the Lord's believers to baptize them, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, to baptize them into one body, to form them all into one living body, to express the resurrected and ascended Christ. And this body is the new man, and it's also the kingdom of God. It's the realm where God rules and reigns and where he does whatever he wants to do. This is marvelous. This is all the fruit of the resurrection and ascension of Christ. It is marvelous. Of course, just to touch it in this brief way, it's a very complex theological matter, but I think it's important that we not get derailed from the experiential aspect here. And as we've seen in Peter, he had been immersed, not in just the doctrine of the Trinity, he had been immersed into the experiential reality of the resurrected Christ and resurrection, experiencing him as this life-giving spirit and witnessing in such a powerful way that manifest uh, the economical spirit that had been poured out. And as is the case, I think, in all of our experience, although we all know and understand that uh, Intrinsically, in God's being, the three are distinct and coexist from eternity to eternity. But in our experience, the three come as one. Right. That's right. When we have the Spirit, we have the Son. When we have the Son, we have the Father. We have the triune God for our enjoyment. Well, Bob, Peter writes later in his uh, first epistle, relating the matter of the resurrection to the hope of the believers. And I think this is a good point to end on today. First Peter 1, 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has regenerated us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's Witness Lee with our final portion. Blessed 
be the God and Father who has regenerated us into something, into a living hope. I tell you, this living hope is too big, too profound. This hope is the hope of life. That means what? This life within you will develop. Its development is the hope. I do believe all your mother know. When you deliver that boy, you begin to have a lot of hope. Don't you? You hope that your little boy will become quite uh, tall, quite strong, smart, and maybe one day he will be in the White House. <laughs> With your boy, you have a lot of hope, don't you? Why? Because you realize within him there is a gene, life. It grows. It grows. Regeneration issues in a living hope, in a hope full of development. A life is within you that grows, that develops to the uttermost. And this life is within us. And this life is just growing within us, developing. Firstly, the issue of these lives growing is the church life. And this church life today is just the reality of the kingdom. And then it will reach its maturity. And that will be in a thousand years. And that will be the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And eventually, even this maturity will be its fullest way. And that will be the new Jerusalem as God's eternal kingdom in the new heaven and new earth, eternity. All this is the development of this life which we have received at our regeneration. Well, Bob, because he was resurrected, we could be regenerated. And by virtue of our being regenerated, we have a hope that previously we had no thought or knowledge of, don't we? That's right. And this hope is the hope of life. So through the Lord's resurrection, we all were regenerated. That means we received this resurrected Christ as the eternal divine life. He came into us as life. And with every kind of life, There is the initial stage, the birth, or the seed, and there is the growth and the development of that life. And the hope of that life lies in the fact that there's a gene, a particular gene in that life, that if that life is allowed or given the proper conditions to grow to maturity, something will be manifested. Something will uh, come out Uh, as a full expression of all that is in that life. Today we have Christ in us as our life, and now uh, by our loving the Lord, by our opening ourselves to him, calling on him, praying to him, reading his word, fellowshipping with one another, with all the brothers and sisters, this life in us grows and develops. And eventually 
uh, as it grows, it brings us into the church life mm. in this age. Mm. And then it becomes our hope for the coming age, the age of the millennium, in which we hope to be in the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens. And then, ultimately, it is our eternal hope that in the new heaven and new earth for eternity, we will be the new Jerusalem, the full expression of the triune God. We will just be there enjoying the maturity of this life. Today, this life is growing in us, and one day we will enter into the full reality and enjoyment of the hope of this life. Well, Paul said that without this reality of the resurrection, we would be of all men uh, most miserable. I know there's different ways to translate that portion, but our life is not a life of misery and emptiness and vanity. It is a life full of hope because there is a seed of life that is growing and developing. And as you said, one day we'll have a manifestation that will result in all of our glorification with him. Amen. Wow. Good fellowship as always, Bob. Thanks for your participation. Hope you can join us again. Always a pleasure, Chris. Okay, we are out of time. We'd like to remind you uh, of our toll-free number and invite you to contact us if you'd like to get the printed material, particularly these Life Study messages from the Life Study of Mark. 1-888-LIFE-STUDY is the toll-free number. That's 1-888-543-3788. Join us again for our next broadcast. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.